what child is this? What child is this? Discovering the Christ. Uh, just before Christmas, we began um, a couple weeks uh, of discussions of why Christmas became important and what are the stories that led to him being remembered so much because those all are part of the same reason why we enjoy Christmas. It's, it's why we actually focus on Christmas because there's some really big things that have happened. But now it's time for Advent. And Advent is, uh, last week, we, it was the first time I talked about it for a long time, uh, the purpose of Advent, why we do it, and today is the second Advent. And I came across uh, two, two devotional type things on Advent that I want to share with you this morning, because I think they're really important, then we're going to light the candle for the second Advent. The first one is this from Henry Nouwen. In the beginner's mind, there's no thought, I have attained something. All self-centered thoughts limit our vast mind. When we have no thought of achievement, no thought of self, we are true beginners. We can really learn something. The beginner's mind is the mind of compassion. When our mind is compassionate, it is boundless. I like these words, also very important for Advent. Open, free, flexible, receptive, that is the attitude that makes us ready. I realize that in Zen, you're not expecting anything or anyone. Still, it seems that all the things Shuri Suzuki tells the students are important for Christians to hear and realize. Isn't a beginner's mind a mind without the thought, I have attained something? A mind opened for grace? Isn't that the mind of children who marvel at all they see? Isn't that the mind not filled with worries for tomorrow, but alert and awake in the present moment? This is the reminder that we need for Advent. To have the simplicity of a child to look at Christmas not with our uh, getting older mindset, <laughs> you know, where we're, we can be grouchy or grumpy or, you know, oh, here we go again. I, we hear people say, I hate the Christmas season. Let's get over with it. Or they might like it at the beginning, then just a couple days before Christmas, that I'm so sick of this. I can hardly wait till it's over. Folks, the simplicity that we're talking about here, about the beginner's mindset, to be reminded back to the beginning of the start of the story. What began this whole thing? The coming of Christ. Are you in awe, or do you know it all? Do you still wonder and explore the mystery of why Christ came? Or have you got it all figured out? Yeah, I got the answers. There's a book on my shelf. I've got all that there. I don't have to, I don't have to think this through. Wait a minute. It's time to slow down a little bit, especially in this Christmas season of usually much busier than it is. Slow down. Think like a child. Not act like a child. <laughs> so to speak, but to think with the simplicity of one. I love that thought. Thank you, Henry Nouwen, for that. This next one is from Robert Capon. It's uh, quite profound. Uh, it's another Advent perspective. Get ready. This is a good one. <laughs> Advent is the church's annual celebration of the silliness. <laughs> Never heard that before from Selig, which is German for blessed uh, of salvation. The whole thing really is a divine lark. God has fudged everything in our favor. Without shame or fear, we rejoice to behold his appearing. Yes, there is dirt under the divine deliverer's fingernails. But no, 
It isn't any different from all the other dirt of history. The main thing is, he's got the package and we've got the trust. Lo, he comes with clouds descending. Alleluia! And three cheers! Whoop, whoop, whoop! What we are watching or waiting for is a party. And that party is not just down the street making up its mind when to come to us. It's already hiding in our basement, banging on our steam pipes, laughing its way up the cellar stairs. Oh, yeah. Clicker. I need my clicker. Thank you. The unknown day and the hour of its finally bursting into the kitchen and roistering its way through the whole house is not dreadful. It's all part of the divine lark of grace. God is not our mother-in-law. <laughs> Coming to see whether he wedding whether he wedding present China has been chipped. If the wedding present China has been chipped, God is instead the funny old uncle with a salami under one arm and a bottle of wine under the other. Oh my goodness, I'm thinking of a movie I'm not going to mention. <laughs> we do need to watch, wait for him, but only because it would be such a pity to miss all the fun. Robert Capon. Oh my goodness. It's time to shake some things up. If your tradition is just a, an easy routine of going through the motions of Christmas because that's the way you've always done it, if you've never grown with some excitement, in fact, I uh, was texting with someone in Germany yesterday. Um, you know who you are. <laughs> um, we're laughing at the, uh, um, the way Germans handle change. They don't. <laughs> They're stubborn. Anybody? Uh, yeah, does anybody, <laughs> Russ asks. Germans are so stubborn, okay? Like, you, you got almost, almost uh, tattooed to their forehead before they believe it's true. Because if they believe something else forever, it's terrible. But Germans are slow to learn. And you know what? It's not just Germans. It's all of us. If there is... Something that brings some comfort. If we, if we have this knowledge, this package in front of us, and if we don't have to think outside that box, and we've been told to believe that this is now it, this is the message, then any other message that comes, well, no, we've been told this is the message. The other ones are all wrong. If we've been told that, that's called the system of religion. We are not part of the system of religion, which is about controls. Um, I was talking to one lady, um, you know who you are, Carol. Um, we we're talking about the word crap, Christian rules and procedures. We're done with that. We're into looking for the mystery, exploring, continually moving, not becoming stagnant. What if there are other ways to express and see? What if your way of expressing and celebrating has become so numb to you, you're not feeling the emotions of anything anymore because you're just going through the routines, through the motions. I think pastors probably have a hard time with this because we've got to do this every year. We've got to find creative ways to do Easter, to do Thanksgiving, to do Christmas. Oh, we've got to find something new and invigorating. It's no different than anybody at a home celebrating Christmas with their kids. How do we make it real? How, you know, it's sometimes easier just to say, let's just not do much this year. That's fine, if that's what you want to do. But let me ask you to ask the real you, what do you want to do? What does your identity, your oneness with Christ want to do? How can we remember this really important story? It's worth 
looking at. Today is the second advent. The second advent is about the Bethlehem candle, or the candle of love, really. That's what today is about. And I'm going to light two candles today for the second advent, and then we'll read Micah 5, 2 and 3. These two candles represent last week's candle, the candle of hope, which I love that one, and today the one of love. And we're going to talk a little bit about love today. You want to know what love's got to do with it? I'll tell you. Just hold on. Jermaine, good morning, buddy. Micah 5, 2 to 3. A ruler from Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratatha, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then, at last, this fellow countryman will return from exile to their own land. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's much going on. There's much going on. Oops, I shouldn't do that, but I just did. So, Advent. Can I have a clicker? Kind sir. There we go. Advent. What do we do with this? Today is the one of love. So let's just watch this next clip and just take in what you see and read. that. Time for some love. Have the clicker kind, sir. (laughs) We're still training these guys. (laughs) All right. Are we there? Okay, I'm going to start reading. Get me to the next slide of uh, that article that you see, okay? 1 Corinthians 13, Christmas style. Some of you have heard it. Oh, nope. There. Christmas style. Here we go. Now, now remain these three things, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. If I decorate my house perfectly with lovingly plaid bows, strands of twinkling lights and shiny glass balls, but do not show love to my family, 
I'm just another decorator. If I slave away in the kitchen baking dozens of Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals, and arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but do not show love to my family, I'm just another cook. If I work at the soup kitchen, carol in the nursing home, and give all that I have to charity, but do not show love to my family, it profits me nothing. If I trim the spruce with shimmering angels and crocheted snowflakes, <laughs> attend a myriad of holiday parties, and sing in the choir's cantata, but do not focus on Christ, I have missed the point. In other words, love stops the cooking to hug a child. Love sets aside the decorating to kiss a husband. Hmm, I like that. Love is kind and though harried and tired. Love doesn't envy another home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens or lights. Love doesn't yell at the kids to get out of the way, but is thankful they are there to be in the way. That's a hard one to, to, to handle, but it's true. Love doesn't give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who can't. <clears throat> love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Video games will break. Pearl necklaces will be lost. Golf clubs will rust. But giving the gift of love will endure. You bet. I love that. That's such a cool rendition. By the way, if you guys come across cool stuff like that, please forward it to me. And if it's usable, I will use it on a, on a Sunday morning. I can't find this stuff on my own. But if it's the love candle today, let's talk about what love is. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians. This is going to surprise you. We're going to read it from the Passion Translation today. And this is going to be it. Hey, Gord's here. Yay. Hey, Gord, we gave your kids a shout out earlier. So anyway, you can go back and rewind later and see what we said. <clears throat> First Corinthians 13. Let me first begin with this. This is important. This is not the job description for married couples on wedding day. Unfortunately, I have heard this being said. I may have accidentally said it too without realizing it, but usually this is read at weddings, and there's no problem with that. It's totally great, but it's not the to-do list. It's not the have-to list. It's the get-to list. This is what the expression of love looks like. This is the demonstration of love lived. Let's read this carefully and walk through this because 1 Corinthians 13 is really important today. Love, the motivation of our lives. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages... And in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet didn't express myself with love. My words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. I have been intimidated by those who can recall Bible verses out of thin air on any topic and give you the exact location of where it is. I've looked up to those who can memorize great swaths of Scripture who can remember people. I've looked up to people who can remember people's names. Even if they met them just once, who can do that? Very few people. But I've looked up to it. I've been intimidated by that. I cannot do it. And yet, we think some people who can do all those things can love better. Listen, I've met some of those people, 
and they use their talents and gifts as an excuse from loving others. It's the replacement because they haven't learned how to love. Just because a person can speak really well, just because they can put grammar together, you have never seen my notes, okay? I married an English major. I don't let her mark my papers ever because red, red, red. <laughs> but I love her and she loves me. It's different. It's not about the paper. That's why this text is so important. I've looked up to those who can speak in tongues. I've been to churches where people will prophesy and speak languages I can't understand. At least that's what it sounds like. And have had many discussions on that topic and that's not the point of today. But I've looked up to them, seeing them as far more spiritual. And oh my goodness, I'll never attain that. And I have actually tried to attain those things by practice, by mentorship, by reading. Seeing something I lack is all that's happening. That's what this eloquence thing is. That's what the speaking the language of tongues. If you see yourself as, oh, I can't do that, then you speak from a place of lack. And that's a lie. You don't lack any of that. You just may not need to do all that. You've got your unique way of loving. Be you. Don't be somebody else, which is really hard for people pleasers. Love. Know what love is. In the Greek, in the Aramaic, the word love has different meanings. Here in the Aramaic, the word for love is huba. Not hubba hubba. Okay, huba, <laughs> just in case you're wondering. And it is a honeymoon, oh, honeymoon, oops, sorry. <laughs> Homonym. <laughs> that, guys, stop it. <laughs> that also means to set on fire. It is difficult to fully express the meaning of this word and translate it into English. You could say that the Aramaic concept is burning love or fiery love, which is very interesting, folks. Coming from the inner depths of the heart as an eternal energy. Oh, this is good. An active power of bonding hearts and lives in secure relationships. That's what huba means. God is love. An ever-burning fire. Passion. By the way, that fire, another word, wrath. A deep, intense emotion. From the Greek word, oh shoot, now I forgot. It doesn't matter. Don't need to remember it. But the definition of this, of wrath, has to do with deep, intense emotion. That's what love is here. A deep, intense emotion. The Aramaic language is so beautiful, so deep. In the Greek, the word is agape, which describes the highest form of love. It is the love of God that he has for his people. It is an intense there it is again, intense affection that must be demonstrated. Is your love demonstrated? If you want to use this in marriage or on a wedding day, I, I've heard couples that have been married for years and some who are having great difficulty say, yeah, I, I love her. Well, what do you mean? Or I love him. But, but what does it look like? Can you use this text as a way to say, this is what my love looks like. It's going to get really rich in a few minutes when you see what the definition of love is here. Okay, This is really God. This is not the to-do list. This is the description of the divine indwelling you right now with an energy of fiery passion. You don't need to find it. It's already in you. Look for it. Listen for it. 
That's what Advent is, the coming of this fiery love to our awareness. It's been here, but it came in human form in Christ, and then it dwelt us, and we were fused as one to the divine. Oh, yeah, this is good stuff. It is a loyal, endless, and unconditional commitment of love. Feelings are attached to this love. Ooh, so you see that? Feelings are attached to this love. Okay? It's different than love is a feeling. Click. It's not abstract, but devoted to demonstrating the inward feeling of the love towards another with acts of kindness and benevolence. <laughs> I love this. Verse 2. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy or prophetic powers with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that I could move mountains but never learned to love, then I am nothing. These people scared me. I remember being in youth group, and some people were prophesying over people. This is going to happen to you. This is going to happen to you. Oh, you did this. I was scared to go to church some days. That somebody knew what I did. That that's weird. Yee, I better not go there, because maybe they can read my mind, because my mind isn't holy right now. <laughs> you know? Like, honestly, this whole idea of prophetic, the gift of prophecy, by the way, in this text, I do not believe that the, the prophecy here is referring to fortune-telling, which is what most people perceive prophecy to mean. It's not. In the gift of prophecy that we see in the, in the um, uh, letters, uh, epistle letters, it's referring to being able to describe and open up Scripture, help reveal and tell what it means, not fortune-tell. That's where people get messed up in eschatology, end times, because they think all this stuff is talking about end times. It is not. Oh, man. Love. Don't be intimidated by this. Recognize the love that's in you now. Not trying to find it outside of yourself by being jealous of those who supposedly have powers. They have no more power than you. Don't be duped. Don't be fooled. Verse 3, if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned to feed the poor and offer my body and be burned as a martyr, without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Huh. You can give it all away. You can't buy love. There's a couple songs written about that. <laughs> I'll leave that alone too. <laughs> but listen, your generosity is supposed to be an expression of the love. I find it very strange that when people come to understand grace and identity, financially they become, I'd say, almost more stringent and tight. Not more generous. Where people who have a law of tithing, which is baloney, it's not for you and me anyway, they tend to give a lot usually out of duty. It's funny. Sometimes I wish, man, I'd like to go back to law. We wouldn't have any money problems. But grace should be the freedom. And by the way, I'm not referring that to a growth or, or decline of a church because if it's God's baby, it's going to grow or decline. It's his, his thing. And money is not the factor. It's how we attach our value to what we're participating in. That's where our money goes. You want me to know what your priorities are? Let me look at your budget, and I'll tell you what your priorities are. Yep, that's how it works. 
And some people, honestly, <laughs> you need a little more priority with your families. Some of you need to stop giving so much to organizations and take care of your own family. Feed your own family first. Quit being guilted by religion to fork out because God will bless you and they'll come back tenfold. That kind of scuba is baloney. Just saying. That's not love. That's manipulation. You can be generous and it be fueled by grace. That's the generosity. Verse 4, love is large and incredibly patient. Let me scroll down to the bottom here first. Um, or, instead of the word patient, it means love patiently endures mistreatment. Could mean that love is incredibly patient even in difficult relationships. The Aramaic can be translated, love transforms the spirit. This is rich. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. This is going to get difficult for a few of us to hear this, and I'll tell you why in a few minutes. <laughs> Takes one to know one. It refuses to be jealous when blessing and blessings come to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. This line up here, love is gentle and consistently kind to all. We're going to come back to that again later. Because I don't express that. I have not personally achieved that. And I can feel really shameful and guilty about that. And I'm telling you that because I'm telling myself that is not how I'm to dwell on this. I'm not to look at the shame of it. I'm to see this as a, an encouragement. Oh, I can see that I have failed there. Now I can change it. I can metanoia. I can change my mind. I can turn and become more kind, more patient. Not so sharp with my family. Not so snappy. Uh, my wife will be the first one to say, when I get too busy and too much going on, I have short answers and I, I, I forget about the feelings. I run ahead past the emotional, important journey and steps to relationship and I jump to answers and I expect people to catch up just as fast. It's not fair. We can't do that. Don't do that to your family this Christmas. I'm going to choose not to do that anymore. And I've done that in the last couple of weeks. And I am sorry to my family for that. Love is large. Love is gentle. Hmm. It's not jealous when it comes to someone else. Oh, what could that mean? Oh, I'll tell you this. When somebody were to come into a large amount of money, let's say, either through a lawsuit or, let's say, a lottery or a prize, people get jealous. Somebody gets a really nice car. Oh, you have that much money. And all the stupid judgment comes out. And it's usually from people who don't have that. That is not love. That is speaking from a place of lack. You don't lack anything. Just because somebody else has something nicer in your mind, that's not the way of Christ in us. We can celebrate with them instead because then people don't have to be all shy. Look at I got a new car. And you, instead we can say, that's so cool, I love that. Instead of the person who bought it feeling, I can't tell anybody because they're going to get all jealous. Right? You see, there's got to be freedom in community. Verse 5. Love Seeked its own honor. Love is not easily irritated. Ouch, 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 ouch. Some people 
point out other people's faults quickly and bring them to a place of shame. And they use it as a tool for manipulation. It's been used on me and I've used it on others. But when it's used on me, man, I see it even bigger now. It's like, what? I never saw that before. Somebody was playing into my emotional vulnerabilities by using shame to try to manipulate me to go in a certain direction. That's not the way of love. Don't do that to somebody else either. Don't do it in your family. Don't do it in your relationships. Don't do it at work. Don't be disrespectful. Don't seek your own honor. Don't try and get your reputation going. And being not easily irritated or overly sensitive, having sharp edges, that one hurts today. Because we all have had times where we're overly sensitive or have sharp edges. And I've done that to my family. We know each other, but still, I'm hearing today a metanoia. Uh-uh, that's not love. I didn't realize, I forgot, because I was so busy, that I'm not demonstrating the love I keep preaching on. We're not quick to take offense, it says. Or, are you easily offended? Well, these days, holy smokes, I'm so offended. Oh, wear your mask, oh, this, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, honestly, are we so easily offended? And yes, it's a tense time, but it's, please, let's find some kindness here. Being resentful does not keep score. The Aramaic can be translated, love does not stare at evil. Love will overlook offenses and remain focused on what is good, refusing to hold resentment in our hearts. Love joyfully celebrates honesty or reality, haha, and finds no delight in what is wrong or injustice or unrighteousness. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing. Don't stop. Oh, sorry, wrong song. Believing the best for others. <laughs> sorry. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. I'm looking at the clock. I haven't got time to, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. I want to finish today, because next week's a whole different thing. So please give me another five, ten minutes max. I just, I just, I want to get through this. It's too good. I love this idea of love is a safe place of shelter. Let's take a look down the bottom here, what it says. Or it means love bears all things. Although commonly understood to mean that love can bear hardships of any kind, love does not focus on what is wrong, but will bear with the shortcomings of others. And like a roof protects and shields, you could say that love springs no leak. It's a safe place that offers shelter, not exposure. Are you a safe person for people to come to? Or are you going to backstab them and judge them when they come and reveal a vulnerability are you a safe person for someone to come and share a failure? Do they know you're not going to judge them? If people don't come to you, it could, you know, hmm, might say something, I don't know. But this is big. Love bears all things. It's a place of shelter. That's why in Scripture, I forget where it is. See, I'm not one of those guys who can pull out Scripture in a, in a second because I'm not Google. But somewhere in the New Testament it says, be extra kind to those who are growing and maturing. Leave allowances for them in their journey of maturing. It's like your child at, at one year old. You don't get mad at them for pooping their diaper. If they're eight years old still wearing a diaper and pooping, that's a problem, right? But at, two, at one and two, that's normal. We give allowance because that's normal behavior. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love never stops loving or... Love never, not even once, fails, lapses. Or love never falls down. 
It keeps going higher. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are partial, as in in fragments. Everything you know right now, everything you believe, is a fragment of the truth. You only understand a small little portion of God's grace and the knowledge of who God is. I only get one little tidbit. Talking with my friend in Germany, you know, we were talking about our past connections and realizing that those we grew up with, many have never changed their faith. They've never expanded or grown in their understanding of God's love or who God is. They've only believed what they have been told and just reciprocated and overdone it and regurgitated it. I call it pre-chewed buffet food. Blech. Blech. Give me something new and fresh. Keep growing. Don't be stagnant. We only know partially. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. Perfect love diminishes the importance of prophecy in tongues. <laughs> How many go racing after prophecy in tongues? I want that gift. I want that gift. How about go for the best one of all? Love. I don't hear anybody craving for that, especially in charismatic circles. No, I want the gift of prophecy. I want the gift of tongues. I want the... Go for love. It's the best one. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. How many still need to set aside childish ways or childish beliefs? Only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. And for us who think that we're not as childish, be extra gracious to those who are acting out childishly because they're acting from their level of fragmented knowledge. Don't get mad at a blind person for being blind. Really important. Verse 12, for now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries, enigma, as though reflected in a mirror. But one Day we will see face to face. <laughs> My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything, I hope, just as everything about me has been fully understood. <laughs> one day. Where are you at? Until then, there are three things that remain faith, hope, Love, yet love surpasses them all. The 10 things that we just had described, love is patient under stress, is kind at all times, is generous, not envious, is humble, not self-promoting, is never rude, does not manipulate ugh, by using shame, is not irritable or easily offended, ouch, celebrates honesty, yes, let's celebrate, does not focus on what is flawed, and is loyal to the end. May God reveal his love to you, but even better, may he reveal his love in you. May it then burst and bubble forth and be acted out according to your revelation. I hope today was encouraging.
the love candle. Yeah. This whole week, reflect on the love of God. Hopefully last week you reflected on the hope of Christ. We're going to close with this next short clip. It's a small prayer, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. But this is how we're going to end. Thank you for joining us today.